in Romans chapter 12, and uh, we'll pick up here in this text as we are still in the series of uh, spiritual gifts, and tonight would probably be, uh, I think it's our fourth message, but it's part two of our message we started last week on discovering your gifts, and before you could ever discover your gift, there are some prerequisites for God showing you what your gift gift is. And of course, before he gives you a gift, first of all, you've got to be saved. But before he's going to reveal his gift to you, you're going to have to be given over as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And we're going to look tonight at a couple things. We'll start in verse 3 here in just a moment. I want to just review real quickly before we can ever get to verses 6, 7, and 8 about those gifts. And we'll get there tonight, Lord willing. We must understand there is a request being made by God Himself. I mentioned it last week, but I do believe this with all my heart. If we was to open the floor tonight for prayer requests and the Lord Jesus Christ was here in our congregation, He would raise His hand and His his prayer request would be this. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth laborers. He would say, would y'all help me pray for more laborers in the field? He'd say, would you help me pray for more people to go and do the work of God? And then I believe that he would do this. He would beseech us by his own mercies for us ourselves, for us to give ourselves to him, to present ourselves to him a living sacrifice. There is a request from God that we he wants us he wants us to present ourselves to him but there is a requirement you must present yourself he's not going to snatch you up he's not going to make you do anything I'm telling you friend I am I'm so far removed from a Calvinist had a man at lunch on Sunday say he said I'm not a Calvinist but I'll get close I said I get so far away from it I don't like it I'm not I don't even like I wouldn't plant tulips in my flower garden amen hey listen to me but I'm telling God is 
is not going to snatch you and make you serve him. He is not going to snatch you up and make you give yourself a living sacrifice. He says this, I'm begging you, but you're going to have to do the presentation. You're going to have to give yourself over to him. And listen, you are going to have to do it. It's personal. You've got to, I can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. You must present your own body a living sacrifice. But it is pricey. It's a living sacrifice. It is a sacrificing of yourself. It is a sacrificing of your will. It is a sacrificing of your rights. And so there is a requirement. We dealt with that last time. And then we saw as we got into those requirements, it is reasonable. It said this, this is your reasonable service. This does, this just makes sense. Be honest with you, it does not make sense for you not to be serving God. It does not make sense to a lost and dying world that there are people who claim that their, their, their God came to earth and died for them and gave everything for them to have an eternal life. It does not make sense to a lost and dying world that that same crowd would not live for him. It does not make sense to a lost and dying world that people that claim to be saved by the grace of God would not give themselves to live for the God that they claim saved them. It does not make sense. And I say this, it does not make sense to this a preacher tonight that people would be saved by the good grace of God and would not give their life over to him. I don't know why in the world you choose to do anything else. I don't have a clue why in the world somebody saved by the grace of God washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, heaven bound with a hammer down would ever want to live for themselves or live for this world. I don't know why somebody would not willingly give themselves over to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the best life you could possibly live. A young person, I'm not just saying that to make you, to trick you into doing this, but I'm telling you, friend, I would not rather do anything in the world than to serve our Savior and to give my life for Him, the one who died for me. And so there is has a, a reasonableness to this request. It's just reasonable. It makes sense. And then there is the results, and the results are found in verse number two and verse number three. We saw the results for this. There's a transformed life. He is going to change your life. Now we do know, we do know this that when you're saved, when God saves you, there is a transformation that takes place. Bible says this, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we know there is a transformation at salvation. I promise you there is another transformation that takes place in your life when you fully surrender your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice and you say, Lord, I am yours. Whatever you want out of me, I'll fill out the blank contract, sign the bottom line, you fill in however you want to fill it in. There is something that transforms you, that changes you. It changes everything about your life. And I'll tell you where it starts. It starts with a renewing of our minds. He is going to renew our mind. I want to start there uh, tonight, pick up there in this. And I, I have three things real quickly tonight, and we'll get out of the way. But number one, I see the revelation of discovering your gift, the revelation. He said this in verse number two, renewing your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said this, the reason he is transforming you is to renew your mind so that you can know what the will of God is for your life. 
He wants you to know it, the will of God. He wants you to understand the will of God for your life. And I'll say this, you can know the will of God for your life. This is telling us that if you will give your life holy, I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely, fully to the Lord, then you will be able to know what God wants out of your life. Now, we have it backwards. We have this idea. Lord, if you'll tell me what you want me to do, if you'll tell me what you'd have me to, where you'd have me to go, if you'll tell me these things, then I'll give myself over to you. Lord, if you tell me the plan, then I'll submit to the plan. That's not the way God works. God doesn't work like that. God's not a corporation. He's not a president of a corporation trying to hire you on his staff. You know, if I was hiring staff, uh, if I was hiring staff, I'd say, these are what I'm expecting out of you. This is what I want you to do. Do you accept the job position? But God's not a, uh, he's not a CEO. He's not a president. He's not a principal. He's not trying to hire a staff. He says, no, no, you give yourself over to me. And once you give yourself over to me, then I'll tell you what you want to do. Young person, listen to me. God is never going to reveal his will to your life until you totally, fully submit yourself over to him. It's not going to happen. Listen, and that ain't me. I didn't make that up. This is Bible. I know some TikTok influence will tell you something else or some jack leg preacher will tell you something else. But the Bible's right. God said it won't happen until you give yourself a living sacrifice. You're never, that's why we got so many Christian adults that are living aimlessly and without any purpose in their life because they're waiting for God to knock them overhead with the will of God for their life. That don't work like that. You must fully, wholly, completely give yourself over to God and then he'll say, I'll let you know what your will is, what my will is for your life. And so he says this, you need to know. So we give ourselves over to God. He's going to let, let us know what the will of God, what he wants out of our life. He says this, and what he wants out of our life, look what it is. It is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. That is not three different wills. That is three different descriptions of the will of God. The will of God is good for you. And I'm telling you, it does not matter what it looks like on paper. It doesn't matter what it, if it makes sense logistically. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to the family. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to the preacher. Listen, the will of God is good. It is good. And watch it. It is acceptable. Amen. It is acceptable. And then it is, uh, then it says, and I've lost my point, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's per you can't improve on it. Amen. It's perfect. The will of God is good. It's acceptable. And it's perfect. Now, the highest, happiest and holiest place for each child of God is the will of God. Amen. And listen, he wants you to know some things. He's going to renew your mind so that you will be able to think more clearly. Look in verse number three. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Here in verse number three, he gives three places that we have to think. In verse three, he tells us, now that our minds are renewed, here's how you're supposed to think. Y'all ready? Number one, it says this, don't think of yourself in sinful exaggeration. 
Here's what he says. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Oh, we get like that sometimes, don't we? We think we are better than we really are. Y'all know one of the biggest, the, 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 I think the root of maybe all sins is, is pride. Y'all know how to spell pride? P-R-I-D-E. You know what the problem with pride is? I is right in the middle. I, 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 I. Well, I just feel like, or I just think that, and I just this. And I told a boy today at the school, I said, the teacher had asked him to do, or told him to do something, and he looked and he kind of started, he about shook his head no. I said, boy, this ain't no, this ain't no democracy. You don't get no vote in this. You go do what she said. And he looked at me. And he said, I, I, said, I get don't do what she said. We're not taking a vote around here. I don't care what you think about it. You don't get paid to, get, to think around here. Amen. Another one said, well, what if I said, what if you lost all your rights when you walked on property today? He said, I lost all my rights. I said, yes, sir, buddy. I said, you're a student. We're the staff. You do what we say. This is a dictatorship, buddy. Amen. And listen, that's the way it is. And that's the way adults ought to run things anyway. Amen. Hey, watch this. And that's the way it is God. God's not going to care what your opinion is about this thing. God's not worried about your, your, your rights. But he is saying this, you ought to think. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. I don't have to, I don't have to elaborate there. But I'm telling you, we have a lot of self-deception thinking we're better than what we are. Amen. I'll tell you what happens most of us is we start looking at everybody else. We start looking at everybody else. And you can see everybody else's flaws. It's hard to see yours, isn't it? Amen. Hey, listen, I, I just, here's just a prime example. This is silly. This is silly, but this is a prime example. For example, I've been here this all afternoon. I've been just kind of just trying to trying to just just work out the last few details of the message and just trying to get my mind from teaching mode and principal mode to preaching mode and all that kind of stuff. And I thought everything was probably fine. And then I went into the bathroom and looked in the mirror and saw that my hair was messed up and my beard was messed up and I ain't got nothing here to fix it. So it may still be messed up. But watch this. I knew nothing until I looked in the mirror myself. Now, everybody that sees it, and now y'all all going to look and see if my hair is messed up. That's fine. But it's a lot easier for y'all to see it than for me to see it. And watch this. It's a lot easier for me to see all your flaws than it is for, for, for me to see my flaws. Right? And so what do we have to do? We've got to have self-examinations, and we've got to have, and not have sinful exaggerations. I remember one time I was in a, it was a meeting with a parent and a teacher and, uh, and the parent was struggling with because her, her child was so disorganized. And, I, and I'm being ugly, but this, this, this particular teacher was the most disorganized person I've ever met in my life. And, and she began to tell how she was going to teach the student how to be organized. And I, I, as the principal, you ain't supposed to do that. But I started snickering. And I had to actually turn my head because I thought, how in the world are you who cannot organize nothing? Going to teach this child how to organize. And she, and she began to talk about how organized she was. And I thought, this woman's living in a dream world. Like, like she's got like an alternate personality somewhere else in some alternate universe because this ain't her. And I thought, and I remember after the meeting, we, we dismissed the parent and the teacher. And I said, you, you, are you, 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 you talking about yourself? I don't know, y'all have better cooth than I do, but I don't have cooth. And I'm like, you know, because you're not organized and, and you don't do that good. And, uh, and, and how are you going to teach them? And I said, I think you think too highly of yourself. Hey, listen, but we all get that way, don't we? We all do. I tell you, when I get my feelings hurt, you know when I get my feelings hurt? It's when I think too high of myself. 
Hello, Tokyo. I know y'all so, so you know, holy. Y'all don't ever get your feelings hurt. But we think high of ourselves. So he says this. You better think, better, better not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But then he says this. Don't think of yourself in false humiliation. He says this. Don't think, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. There is such thing as false humility. False humility. Not only should you not think too highly of yourself, but you ought not think too lowly of yourself. There's a ditch on both sides. And here's, here's the context here. We're talking about spiritual gifts. And you may say, I don't have a gift. That is false humility. Because God said in his word, and we've read it so many times in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, that every man, every person has been saved, God has given at least one gift to. And so to deny your gift is not humility, it's unbelief. To deny your gift that God has given you is not humility, it is rebellion against God. And listen, so it, it, just as bad as it would be to say, look at me and all the gifts God's given me, it'd be just as bad to say, look, oh, I don't got no gifts. I can't be used to God. Oh, I can't do nothing for God. I just, I'm worthless and ain't nothing I can do. Listen, God didn't save you. He didn't save you and, and make you worthless. He saved you to make you worth doing something for him. And he's gifted you with something you want to do. So don't think too high of yourself, but don't think too low of yourself. Think soberly about this thing. Think soberly about these things. And listen, think soberly is this, this. According as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Think soberly about what God has measured off to you. God's cut you a piece of the pie, so to speak. And your piece ain't like my piece and my piece ain't like your piece. But God has measured something off for you. And what you've got to do is don't get in the trap of comparing your measure to somebody else's measure. Don't get in the trap of comparing your gift with somebody else's gift. Or even if you have the same gift to somebody, don't get in the trap of comparing your operation of that gift with somebody else's operation of that gift. He's got a measure for you. I read a story about an animal school, a school they sent animals to. And, uh, and this is not real life, okay? But, but and this story said that in this animal school, they would teach animals how to swim, how to jump, how to climb, and uh, how to run. And the duck got there, and when the duck tested for his entrance exam, he passed the swimming with flying colors. But he didn't too good, do too good climbing and jumping and running. So what they did is said, we're not going to put you in swimming class. We're going to put you in the running, climbing, and, 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 and jumping class and try to work on that. Y'all know what happened, don't you? The duck didn't get no better climbing, running, or jumping. And then because he hadn't been swimming in so long, he'd even started lacking in the swimming area. Well, there's an eagle that come in. And on the eagle's uh, entrance exam, he passed the jumping with flying colors. Uh, he'd get to the top of the tree. I mean, that's in pun intended. Flying colors, right? He flew up there. <laughs> he jumped up there on the top of that tree, but he didn't climb. And he didn't run, and he didn't swim. So they put the eagle in that swimming class. And man, that eagle didn't like that swimming class. And man, that eagle said, I ain't no swimmer. I am I'm a flyer. I can jump. And, I can. and so finally the eagle said, you know what? I had enough of this. I'm done. He quit school. Then there was a rabbit. And that rabbit, buddy, that rabbit, he could run. 
And he could jump, but he couldn't climb and he could not swim. And so they put him on the climbing course. And he climbed and he climbed and he climbed and he climbed. And never did let him run. Never did let him jump. And all of a sudden that rabbit got so discouraged and so defeated and so depressed, he became a recluse. He just came all to himself. It was just unhappy. And there was a turtle. That turtle, he couldn't run. He couldn't jump. He couldn't swim. He couldn't climb. The professors looked at him and said, well, I know what the problem is. i tell you what's slowing that turtle down is his shell. Let's take his shell off and maybe he can run a little faster. So they took his shell off. You know what? That little turtle started running a little bit faster, but all of a sudden a horse stepped on him and he died. No more turtle. Now you say, preacher, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. Well, it sounds like a lot of churches we go into today. And God has gifted you with something and yet we want to make everybody the same. It's called, we, y'all, y'all, we, everybody hollered about common core math in the public school. And listen, ain't none of y'all, none of y'all got any right to complain about it because none of y'all had to teach it. I had to. You know what it's called? It's not called common core math. It's called communist math. Okay? Listen to me. Here's what the idea of communist is. Everybody's got to be the same. That's the idea of a communist, and that's what this country's being run by now, by the way. There's your political ad for tonight, all right? Okay, but I'm telling you, we complain about common core math, but what about common core church? Everybody's got to be the same. Everybody's got to be cookie cutter, and everybody's got to have this gift and that gift, and we got the turtle taking his shell off and getting hit by the horse, and we got the rabbit swimming, and he's, and he's depressed, and now the eagle's swimming, and he's quitting, and, and we got all these people trying to do all this stuff God didn't gift them to do. Go let the eagle fly. Let the turtle be a turtle. Let the rabbit jump and run and let the duck swim. Hey, when God's gifting you with something, you do what God's gifted you to do. And I'm telling you, when that happens in a church, when people are doing what God has gifted them to do in the, in the administration God has given them and the operation God has given them, that's when a, healthy, that's when a church becomes healthy. Yeah, man. And so here's what I'm saying. We've got to think of ourselves in a sober estimation. What is it that God has for me to do? Let me give you these things real quickly and we'll move on. But there's, there's a, how do I figure out these things? Again, the process is you've you got you to give yourself, present your body a living sacrifice. And when you present your body a living sacrifice, then you can't be conformed to the ways of this world. Stop looking for the worldly wisdom to figure out how to do God's thing. This is, this is a church this is not anything like anything else in the world, all right? And serving the Lord is not like anything else in this world. So not being conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then start thinking. Don't think too high of yourself. Don't think too low of yourself. And then here, so then once we get there, how do I start figuring out what my gift is? Well, there is enlightenment. God will start enlightening some things to you. He'll start dealing with you. God's the one giving this measure out. He says this, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So he's the one giving this out. There's enlightenment. But then there's enjoyment. I believe this, you are going to enjoy doing what God has gifted you to do. I have heard men tell me, claim to be called to preach, and yet they do not enjoy preaching. It is of my opinion, I guess. I don't think I don't know if I have Bible or not on this, so I'm just going to say it like this. It's of my opinion, that man is not called to preach. I just don't believe that God's going to gift you with something and a measure of faith, and you do that thing, and you're not going to enjoy it. 
I'm not saying everything's going to work out great, you know. It is not enjoyable to preach a message and nobody get help from it or nobody seem like life's are changing like that. But, but to do what God's called you to do, there's an enjoyment to it. And then not only the enlightenment and the enjoyment, but then there's the encouragement. You know what? There'll be some spiritual people see that gift in you. And they'll encourage you in that gift. And they'll recognize that gift sometimes. And they'll encourage you. But then there's the, here's this, there's the enablement. Enablement. If God isn't enabling you to do that thing, then you are not gifted to do it. Then try to do something else. Okay? And so, how do I figure out this? Well, there's that thinking process. But then, there's the participation process. There's, so we got revelation, thinking, and then there's the participation. I'm not going to dwell here because I've said it so many times already in this, in this series. But verse 4 and 5 deals with this. For as we, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. There's the participation in the body. God's not giving you a gift to go do some parachurch something. What I'm saying is God's not going to give you a gift to go outside the church and do something He's not giving you a gift to go run a business. He's not giving you, now he may give you some natural ability and talent, but I'm talking about a spiritual gift now. He's he got that spiritual gift. We've talked about this before. It is for the edification of the body of Christ. It is to be worked in the local church and out of the local church. In the local church and out of the local church. Amen. You're not going to go outside the authority that God has already placed in this world. And so there is the participation of the body. You right now are seeing on display the, the, me using my mouth and my brain. But, but thank God my liver's working this evening, right? Because if my liver stopped working, it'd be hard for me to use my mouth and my brain. Probably I don't know if I could stand up. I don't really know what all the liver does, but I'm not a biology person. But I'm glad my liver's working, as far as I know it is. I'm glad my lungs are working. I'm glad my kidneys are working, right? Because without those things, they're, they're, without them participating today, <laughs> it'd been hard to live, right? And it'd be hard for me to do this. So there's the participation. But here's where I really want to get to tonight, and I'll be done in just a moment, is the activation. We got the revelation. God wants you to think right. He's renewing your mind. He is wanting you to think about this thing that God is the will of God and what he's gifted you with. And there's the participation. You've got to be willing to use that gift for the edification of the body of Christ. But then there is the activation. How do I find out what my gift is? Here it is. Get busy. Amen. I believe this. Take what you got and put it into business. I remember this, and I know this ain't got to be for everybody, but I'll tell you what God did with me. When I started learning this a little bit about gifts and things like that, I remember I was 14-year-old. I said, Lord, I'm yours. I was 14-year-old in Black Mountain, North Carolina when I entered into Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Amen? I, I was saved as a little kid, but I'm telling you, I can take you to the place in Black Mountain, North Carolina where I, bes I, I presented my body a living sacrifice. In the back corner of that hall, that assembly hall that we were in, in the very back corner, I kneeled on my face and I said, oh God, I'm yours. Whatever you want out of my life, whatever you want, I don't even, I didn't know nothing about nothing, okay? I just said, Lord, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, I just want you, I just want you to use me, and I don't know what that means. You know what I did? I got home that weekend, got to church, and I went straight to my youth pastor, what can I do for the Lord? I went to my pastor and said, what can I do for the Lord? And I began to start trying things. I started testing out some things. And all of a sudden, it wasn't long. I knew God was calling me to preach, and I didn't run from it. I started running to it, and I didn't, I didn't submit all the way. But I wanted to make sure what God was wanting me to do. So I started trying different things in the ministry. 
different things in the church and find what getting busy. I'm telling you what, God's not calling lazy people. I'm telling you, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. And God's not using lazy people. I don't care what they're posting on social media. I don't care how much they're claiming their calendar's full. God don't use lazy people. People will use lazy people, but God don't. Amen. Listen to me. You get busy activating in the work of God, God will show you what he wants you to do. And he'll show you what your gifts are. So we'll see the activation. But real quickly, let's look at the list of these gifts real quickly tonight. And we'll be done. We'll pick up here next time. Verse number six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And now he starts listing them. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So let's look real quick at this list. I've got some S's for you to maybe help you remember these real quick. Number one, prophecy. I wrote beside prophecy, speaking for God. Speaking for God. Now I've told you this before, but before the Bible was complete, you had prophecy that was twofold, foretelling and foretelling. Foretelling is, is what people associate with prophecy of the Old Testament. They were predicting future events based on God's revelation. There was not a complete Bible, so that's what they were doing. But foretelling, that is the main role of prophecy. And here it is, it's declaring God's word to other people. It, even in the Old Testament, prophets' main ministry was to preach the truth. It was, again, in the Old Testament, every Old Testament passage is not pointing to a future event. It was just proclaiming the truth of God's word. Thus saith the Lord. And in some cases, they foretold future events as they preached. And so here it is. Today, we have the complete revelation of God's word. We have the Bible. And the spiritual gift of prophecy is a call from God to declare his word to others. It, people with the spiritual gift of prophecy uh, are, are passionate about declaring the word of God with a desire to move people to action. I'll give you this verse. You can write it down and go look at it later. You can flip there if you want to. But 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So there are threefold purpose of somebody with the gift of prophecy. He's to edify, he's to exhort, and he's to comfort. It is a preaching, declaring the word of God to move people to action. So prophecy, speaking for God. Number two, ministry. Serving others. Ministry. Serving others. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, this same a gift is called helps ministry. Helps ministry. The gift of helps. And it's a desire to serve and to help people in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it might be volunteering for the unglamorous, unappreciated jobs. I wrote this down. Meeting spiritual needs in practical ways. So many ways you could do uh, the helps of ministry and helping people. Listen, there is an importance of the spiritual gift. As much as I just said something just a minute ago about my, my internal organs working right now, you can't see them. You will never, I don't guess, see them, I don't guess, but hope not, right? But they're important, right? You, I got to have them. And you know what? This ministry may not be in the limelight. This ministry may not ever get recognition or this gift may not ever get recognition, but it is meeting the spiritual needs in practical ways. 
helping, volunteering, working, doing things, being faithful, being diligent, knowing that your service is vital. Amen. Knowing that as little as it may seem to everybody else, somebody had to do it. And it's not using it grudgingly, well, if I don't do it, nobody else will. Is I have a desire to do these things. I have a desire to serve in this area. Then, number three, teaching. I put schooling beside it. Schooling. It's the ability and desire. So there's a desire there, but then there's the ability to teach the truth of God's word and to help people understand how can they apply the word of God to their lives. These people have a, have a gift to clarify truth. They, are, they have a desire to search things out. They present the findings to the people to help them. And listen, this gift requires diligent study and, and sound interpretation of the Scripture. Got a good handle on the Scriptures. And listen, we need, every church needs good te- people with the gift of teaching, to teach the Word of God. So there's the teaching. So I put schooling beside that. Then exhortation. Beside exhortation I wrote stirring up. Stirring up. And exhortation is the ability, desire to encourage people. I said something the other day. I had, uh, I have, we have a, a group of preachers, a local preachers that we talk all the time in our text group. They had, they had said something I had said. They had quoted something I had said. And one of them said, my wife says, do you ever say anything encouraging? I said, well, I guess my gift is the gift of discouragement, I guess, sometimes. But there are some people, they just, all, I mean, they, it's automatic, they are always encouraging. They always have a word or, a, or an action that is encouraging. And, and, and the person with exhortation, the gift of exhortation, is concerned with the heart of people. They're concerned, and and here it is, they want to motivate other people to love and to serve God with a passion. It's not just encouraging people. Y'all, y'all, it's not just encouraging people to live in sin or encouraging people to keep doing what they're doing. It's encouraging people to love and serve God with their life, that gift of exhortation. So I wrote down stirring up, stirring up. So we've got prophecy speaking for God, ministry, uh, serving others, teaching, schooling, Exhortation, stirring up, and then giving. I put this, sacrificial giving. This is the ability and desire to give to the work of God. Now, this gift is accompanied by the provision to give. It doesn't always mean money, finances, right? In the Old, in the Old Testament economy, uh, it wasn't much coins and paper they were given. It was crops and cows, Right? And so, but it's, it's these Christians with this gift, they're generous by nature. You might say it like this about them. They give you the shirt off their back, right? They just, they're generous by nature. They love to give to the work of God. And uh, they, they delight in meeting the needs to further the work of God, to further the ministry. They're careful, but they're willing to give for the furthest of the ministry. So I put sacrificial giving. Now I'll say this. Well, I'll say in just a minute. Then we got ruling Ruling, I wrote beside that staffing, staffing. Ruling doesn't mean you're a conqueror or, well, I said just a minute ago at the school, we're dictators, but it's not about that. It's about administration. It's the ability to elite, to lead and to administrate the work of God. Uh, it, is, it is this. It, you have the abilities to organize, to think strategically, to implement a plan, to coordinate teams of people. 
Um, you have the ability to manage and to administrate. And, and you got, you have, there's a joy to see an order and progress. I put this, that, that the person with the, with the gift of ruling, they also have a vision. So they see where we're trying to go and they, they know how to get, to get us there, right? They've got a vision. They coordinate activities to, to glorify God. Ruling, staffing, I put beside that. And then last on the list here in Romans is mercy. I put this, selfless acts. Selfless acts. Mercy is the gift to feel the pain of others and to help during times of difficulty. Whether you've been through it or not, mercy does not necessarily mean you've been through a lot of stuff. It's just that you feel the pain. You empathize and sympathize with those people. You carry that burden with them. You carry it like it's your own person with the gift of mercy knows what to say, and they know when not to say nothing. That ain't good English, but y'all get what I'm saying. They know what to say, and they know when to be silent. They have a strong desire to lift the loads of other people. They want to minister to the suffering. They have a heart for people that are going through things, selfless acts. Now, I'm closing here tonight. As we have listed these gifts, you have at least one of these. And I want you to understand this, in these gifts as we activate, we're talking about activation. You are to use these gifts for the glory of God. You're, you are vital. You here tonight, you are vital to the help and strength of the rest of this church. If this church is going to be healthy, if this church is going to be strong, you are going to have to use your gifts to serve the Lord in this church. Now, Ask this question. What gift or gifts do you believe you've been given? And then, how can you begin to use those gifts in the service for the Lord? Now, I will say this. As important as it is you identify your spiritual gift, there are some of these gifts that you may not be totally gifted in, but you still should be using. Like, for instance, exhortation. We ought to all be encouraging every now and then. Amen? Giving we all ought to give, but some have a, just a, a gift of giving, but we all should be givers. Mercy, we all should at some, we ought to extend mercy to people, right? And so there's some of these gifts where all of us should have a, a do a little bit in these, but there are some people that are just gifted in there. there it's, hard, it's hard for those that are not gifted. I'll be honest with you, I said that about exhortation, and I kind of was making light about it, but I'm serious. Sometimes it is hard for me to, to exhort, I feel like. I feel like I, it's a struggle for me. To exhort. I feel like sometimes I don't know how to encourage people like I ought to. And then mercy is a hard one for me. I'm just being transparent. Mercy is a hard one for me. And it's not that I, I, I don't have a heart for people. I, I, I don't know what to say. And most of the time I end up not saying nothing because I don't know what to say because I don't know what's going to help you. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't handle stuff like normal people. I'm a weirdo. That's because I'm a preacher, I guess. That's right, brother. Where we're weird. Right? Well, preachers are weird. We're, we're weird creatures. Preachers are. And, I, and so I don't know what to say, but some people's got the gift of mercy. And there's some people that can say the right thing at the right time. It's like, man, I needed that. And it's, I struggle with that. And so you've you got to find what it is God's given you and the gift he's given you, and then you've got to figure out how you can use it. And so that's the question tonight. Is what gift or gifts do you believe God's given you? How can you use it? And you may not know. So you know what you need? You need to activate. Get busy. Take what you do know. Start finding places to serve. 
Find some things you can do. Maybe there's, and I could go through a bunch of lists, and we're going to do that a little bit later, and we're going to go through some things where we can say, all right, here's some things, here's some ministries that would involve that gift, how you can use it. But you need to think about these things. Maybe it's, maybe it's prophecy preaching, speaking the word of God. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's the ministry of mercy or helps or, or all these that we listed here in Romans chapter number 6, 7, and 8. Chapter 12, verse 6, 7, and 8. Where can you fit in to the ministry God's got going here? He's got something for you to do. And what we're trying to do, in 1 Corinthians, he said it like this, Brethren, I'd have you not ignorant of these things. We don't need to be ignorant about this stuff. We didn't know. And that's what he's doing. Revelation, participation, activation. I want you to think about that. What is it God's got you to do? What, is, what gift has God given you to serve the Lord in and edify the church? Again, some... It is to work right here in the church. And some is to work out of the church. But it's to edify the body of Christ. It's to edify the body of Christ. He's got a, he's got a will for you. He's got a gift for you. But, I go back to the beginning. And the whole message last week. You must present your body a living sacrifice. It's the first step. He is not going to tell you. He's not going to enlighten you or all that other stuff. I mean... You're not going to do it until you have presented yourself to him. I'm telling you, it's, it, I'm telling you, you need to take a blank piece of paper. And this ain't blank. You need a blank piece of paper. Take out a pen. Sign your name. Say, Lord, fill out the rest. Whatever you want, wherever you want it, I'm yours. I'm yours. And I'm telling you, this ain't just for young people. This is for every person in this room breathing today. God's got you here for a purpose. He's playing the song we sung right before we opened the Bible today. Nothing between my soul and Savior. I believe this. Believe this. If you're not presenting, if you're not presenting your body a living sacrifice tonight, I believe I'd be honest, I believe I'd be right to say you're in sin. There's something between you and the Savior. There is. Once you get it right with him. Once you present your body a living sacrifice tonight. Once you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. It's a reasonable service. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. We sang it just a minute ago, but it says nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world, delusive dreams. Not careful, you'll get caught up in the dreams of this world. And I promise you, the American dream is the American scheme. There's nothing in this world going to make you happy. Nothing living in this world is going to give you joy or peace. I promise you, you'll find it. Serving Jesus.